Welcome to another episode of La Ventanita, the Miami Herald's food podcast. Uh, I'm Carlos Frias, and I'm here with Amy Reyes, like every week. Hi. What's going on? Oh, nothing. I just have to know how many burgers you ate last Friday. I, You know what's the, the best part of the, the Burger Bash at the South Beach uh, Food and Wine Festival is that this year they, they split it up into two sessions, mm-hmm. so the lines are not as long as they usually are. Oh, that's great. No, I mean, really, it's they should they should keep it this way, and I think they're going to, even after everything goes back to normal, because it's very reasonable. The thing that I hated the most about that event is that there were 4,000 people climbing over each other for... To get to that one burger. Yes, to get to that one burger. And then you saw the line, and it was 70 people deep. And you're like, I don't want a burger that bad. Like, I I'm had FOMO. Just... <laughs> like, I paid 500 bucks, and I have FOMO. That's just wrong. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I think that like if that's if that's a way for everybody to get their burger, get in and out and vote, then I think that's a pretty a really smart way to do it. I, I want to say that I had I tried the most burgers that I have in, in any of the times that I've been to that that event because the lines. Did you were do reasonable. the Did you do the um the burger spitting? Like, would you like take a bite and then spit it out? Like, I got I, I <laughs> like get to the, the point tasting? when I'm at those events where I'm the, I'm just like walking around and I'm like, I want to taste this, but I don't want to eat any more food so i just be like "Mm." can i tell you i come from the school that like uh when i go to order a beer or when i go to the ice cream shop to get ice cream i just consider my choices and then i make the best decision because like you know what's the worst case scenario like oh man i spent eight dollars on something that i liked versus something that i could have really liked i don't know i I, i've come to i've come around on that and been just you know be low maintenance like well, my, my strategy for those events is you have to go starving, first of all. You have to be, like, dying. And you have to pace yourself. Because I went to Croqueta, the, the, the Croqueta and Champagne event once, and, like, I started full-on just double-fisting Croquetas out the, just out the gate. I was just like, I'm eating all the Croquetas. And then by the third vendor, I was like, let's get the heck out of here. I'm stuffed. Like, I couldn't anymore. Yeah, it's then, a, what do they what do they call when they feed the the duck so that their liver gets fat? The gravage, that's what it feels like. Yes, when that, I'm there, I'm like, oh, I'm purposefully, I'm willfully making my liver fat and delicious. No, and the the chicken coop event, everything is always amazing at chicken coop. Like all the food is amazing. Like you can't, you you're not there to to give away bad fried chicken. Like nobody came with bad fried chicken to a chicken coop ever. And so like you really just have to be like, okay. I taste the pickle, I taste the bread, I taste the chicken. Okay, now I'm going to go to the next one. It's You really have to focus. You have to have your head in the game for those South Beach Wine and Food Festival events. Well, I, I feel like I feel like uh, we're, we're learning how to do these events better now. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll master it one day. So we're going to talk about some stuff today. We got, uh, you know, um, the Burger Bash winner was um, Burger Bob's, and they have an issue with the, the city of Coral Gables. Um we're going to talk about uh, this this new this new thing that's opening called Smorgasburg, which is basically they took all the pop-ups in Miami and they put them in one place, mm-hmm. like Wolf of Tacos and Ted's Burgers um, that won the South Beach, uh, the, the Burger Bash last year. They're putting them all in one place. That's happening tonight. So I think I'm going to go out there with Connie. Connie, Connie Ogle is definitely going. So um, and then we're going to talk about, about our- to eat. I'm yes. telling you, use the spitting method. Chew taste I feel bad then, like you can, there's like 40 vendors there's no way you're gonna get through it i feel bad i feel bad doing that like that like my my cuban immigrant parents are like in the back of my of my mind treat you know? this food like wine man just be like mm, mm, mm. 
I can't do it. <laughs> you need a spitting bucket. I can't do it. So listen, we we um uh, we have a, a cool guest today because, I, and I think it's timely. Um, uh, you know, the James Beard Awards were, uh, or rather, the nominations were announced last week, and among those was uh, one of the best new restaurants in the country uh, uh, was named here. It's uh, they named thirty spots in the country uh, that are nominated for basically one award. Um, but this one uh, really caught my attention. You know, when we wrote about it last year. Um, so I wanted to have their chef on. So today our guest is Pablo Zitzman. Uh, Pablo started making dim sum out of his Kendall condo when he got laid off during the pandemic. Oh, he's and the from rest- Kendall? Hello? Is there a theme to our podcast? Well, our podcast is, it's only Kendall. Uh, so the restaurant that he opened since uh, has been named one of the best in the country. He named it after himself, uh, Zitzum. Because basically, because he needed uh, a, a quick name for his Instagram handle, uh, which is where he started <laughs> selling. Yeah, it's where he started selling. Uh, it's where he started selling. Um, but it's in, it's interesting because he made uh, Chinese dim sum, which is basically what you'd call like lunch portions. You know, and dim sum in Chinese are, are kind of lunch portions. He made dim sum different um, and authentic to him because it's got Latin American flavors uh, and different Latin American styles of cooking. Because he's from Bogota, Colombia. And his grandmother's Mexican. Uh, and it was his dad who taught him to love these little hidden Chinese restaurants, like in alleyways in, uh, in Bogota. That's like where they would bond. Um, and it's kind of, they were tucked in uh, hidden little places, kind of like how his restaurant is now. And uh, I want to ask him about that. And also how he almost ended up in a punk rock band. I don't know, maybe, possibly. Pablo, yeah. what's going on, brother? What's going on, guys? I hear about this burgers and I'm hungry already. So, Uh-oh. well, you know. me and Carlos we got- broke we broke up with food this week because of the the gluttony. So we're both intermittent fasting until yeah. noon. So I'm already yeah. hangry. Yeah, it's just yeah, coffee. Was, it's just coffee right now until there's noon. There's a lot of there's a lot of cool uh, burger joints over here in Gables. So we're taking care of in that in that regard. Hey, Coral Gables is is blowing up. Like uh, I looked at that James Beard list, and it's you. Neva yep. Patel, who's got yep. two restaurants there. Um, uh, who else was in there that we saw? Um, Antonio Bashur. Right, Bashur. Antonio Bashur, who's got... Uh, Michelle Bernstein, she's opening a joint. She's opening She's opening a new version of um, of uh, Senora, Senora Martinez. Martinez. Yes. Wow, so. that's crazy. I used to be a line cook at Senora Martinez. You used to do what at, at there? I was a line cook at Senora Martinez at some point. Really? Wow. Yeah. Senora Martinez yeah. was an interesting spot because they were in that beautiful building in uh, in the design district when the yeah. design district was still like you I mean, could still were... go there without without running into a Lamborghini. I think. Yeah, it was yeah, very were, bougie, the... but not like super bougie how it is. There now. were two two restaurants. No, actually, like three. There was an Italian restaurant. I don't, I don't remember the name. And then Michael uh, Michael Genuine. The, the OG and of course Senora Martina. Uh and then just like between both of them, they just like blew everything out of proportion. They just made what that neighborhood is right now is thanks to Michael Schwartz and Sherbent team for sure. Well Michael Schwartz is he's nominated for James Beard for Outstanding Chef, which they that award goes to a chef who's influenced other cooks and other chefs. And like the line of people that have gone through there is as long as except Michael Amazing. Beltran, Michael Beltran, who's also nominated, you know, and yeah. in uh, from Ariette. Um, yeah. But uh, we're not here to talk about Michael Beltran. He's got his own podcast. He can talk about <laughs> Michael Beltran yeah. all he wants. We'll talk about we'll talk to him at another point if if uh, if he's if he's nice, if he's good, which he will never <laughs> be. 
we should we well, should we, treat Mike we should treat Mike like uh like uh like uh, Matt Damon you know like uh oh we ran out <laughs> oh we ran him. out of show we ran out of time on the show we'll we'll try to have him on next week. Love you, Mike. <laughs> Oye, mate, so dim sum. Tu eres un colombiano. You're Colombian yeah. born. You got a Mexican yeah. grandmother. You've got a German last name, and I'm gonna ask you to yeah. I'm gonna ask you to speak some German. But you decided to open. A Chinese inspired or a Chinese style dim sum restaurant. Yeah, what's up with that? Yeah, I mean, uh, Zitsum. It's more than just like a Chinese restaurant per se. It's like an Asian inspired restaurant. Uh, the focus is very hardcore into dim sum, which is one of my favorite things. Uh, and opening the restaurant was just something circumstantial. You know, I was working opening a couple properties and opening a couple restaurants before the pandemic. And, um, you know, as everybody knows, you know, pandemic happened and affected everybody in a different way. And on, on, on our household, um, well, I was left out without a job. Um, your so wife is, your, your wife is also a chef, right? A pastry chef. She's a, she's a pastry chef. Yes. She, she's a pastry chef. She's amazing right now. She's got her, uh, own cookie and cake uh, company and she does like custom design cakes and stuff like that she works over here as well she does everything she takes care of the two kids at home and without her we wouldn't be where we are right now and um so lost lost my job and i was like okay what am i gonna do i'm not gonna wait for unemployment i am not going to wait for for anything there's bills that we gotta pay and we gotta take care of the kids so I used to run, uh, I used to be a chef of a Chinese restaurant, not in Chinese in South Miami, that abruptly closed uh, three and a half, almost four years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I was the one running the social media for, for that restaurant for, 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 for quite some time. So for some reason, I never closed down that Instagram account. And um, two, three years passed by. I'm sitting down in COVID times in my balcony talking to Natalia. And I was like, I'm going to do something really impulsive right now. And I just took the known in Chinese Instagram account and I posted, we're coming back. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. <laughs> uh, it was, it was probably one of the most impulsive things I've ever done. But then I started thinking, okay, now I put it out there. So now I have to do something about it. So, um, you were like I manifest just, destiny. You were like, let me, I, if I, I force if I myself to do this, come. right. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I had, I had to do something and it was just like, and also like my, my, my brain needed to be doing something. I can't stay still. Right. Um, so then I took a look at the last menu from the restaurant because the restaurant thankfully had a good following. And, uh, I basically took like five things that we had on the menu, uh, by the time that the restaurant shut down. And I was like, guys, I'm going to be selling frozen dumplings from my house. I'm going to be selling fried rice. And I'm going to be selling um, beef and broccoli and some desserts and whatever I was able to come up with. Uh, I posted this little menu and I was like, okay, if one, two, three people order from it, from my friends and my family members, at least I'm going to be able to, you know, go to buy masks and go to do grocery shopping and just figure out what's going to happen next. Uh, and, you know, Five orders start coming in, 10 orders start coming in, 20 orders, 30, 40. We're doing about 50 orders a day. 
And pretty soon, uh, if I if I remember correctly, there was a line of people outside yeah. of your condo, like in the garage, yeah, and you're nuts, and you're <laughs> like, I'm sure the security guards were like, "What is going yeah. on here?" Exactly. Yeah, I, I, it was it was it was it was kind of funny because I was prepping, I was going to restaurant before early in the morning. Uh, I mean, we're talking about five, six a.m. in the morning, going back to the apartment, do all the preps, start rolling dumplings. The kids are running around. Um, by that time, my son was five and our daughter was one year old. So they're screaming, fighting. They're not understanding what's going on. Uh, we got orders coming in left and right, Instagram blowing up. Um, you know, friends like, you know, helping me do logos and designs and menus. And everyone was just like cooperating and everyone was just supporting uh, the cause. Um, and then around 5 p.m., I was loading up uh, my minivan and I was just driving down uh from the parking and i was just like on the uber pickup drop off situation on the building by, by, back then i was just like lifting the, <laughs> the 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 thing in my car and people were coming in and they were picking up the orders um and like i said it was 10 people and then 10 people became 20 and then 20 people became 30 and you know we kind of created this like and then it created by itself, but we had this demand of people that we were giving them what they were missing from that restaurant. Um, that made me also realize the impact of what that restaurant had in a lot of people, which was amazing because back then I was not able to see and grasp the impact that we had with the locals and with a lot of the people that they were around that restaurant and all the friends in the industry, all the chefs, all the cooks. So, you know, it was, it was just awesome. How long did it take before it really became a, like a, a thing where you guys were like, oh, wow, this is this is something we could do this for a while. We're going to be fine. I, I mean, you know, the first week was nuts. Uh, I was, I'm not going to do this again. I'm going to try to figure out what to do. Uh, and then Natalia was the one who she pushed me to, 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 to keep doing it. And, 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 you know, I was pretty much cooking food for 40, 50 people. We were rolling between 300 and 600 dumplings a day. Uh, four different types of dumplings, not just one. We went fried rice out of this little stove, electric stove. My rice cooker was two quarts at a time. Um, and I think that it took at least three to four weeks to actually just be like, okay, let's just do this. So then I bought a mini fridge uh, and then that mini fridge become, became a bigger fridge and that bigger fridge become, became another fridge so we ended up putting fridges in our closets, <laughs> sanitizer buckets, trying to be as you know clean as professional as we could. Um, very illegal. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, I had I had people that they thought that we were actually a real restaurant, and they were not reading the Instagram. They were just like seeing the hype, and they were ordering. So so when I was, they were coming to pick up the things, and they were seeing they they, they saw me on my car. They were like, "But where's your restaurant?" I'm like, I don't have a restaurant. I'm unemployed i'm doing this out of my house but how can you do that from your house i'm like come on man you know whatever cottage um, cottage industry COVID, law COVID. Cottage, cottage industry law man you, you can yeah, make stuff out of your house uh you know that's 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 exactly the angle that i took that, that it took that, that it took that thing and uh you know we just started like planting seeds like actually having a restaurant was not part of uh was not part of the plan it was very everything just happened very naturally everything just happened very organically um it was we just one day day by day yeah yeah right? it was it was someone it was it was it was someone from 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 the industry um 
you know, we were going to take over another restaurant, another space over here in Coral Gables before that. And my idea was to create like an Asian market, uh, wine shop and beer, like a beer and wine um, Asian market. That that couldn't that couldn't happen because of a lot of reasons. So we went back home um, to keep doing the thing that we were doing, trying to figure out what was next. That was during the second lockdown. And then uh, an acquaintance, um, someone that I know from the business, a real estate agent, uh, he ordered food for me a couple of times. And he's like, hey, I got this really cool guys that, you know, they have a space available. Uh, they want to meet you. Uh, why don't you talk to them and see what you, what you guys can do? And then I came to a location where Sitsum is at right now. And um, we spoke, we spoke, we went back and forth for a couple months. I was very... Uh, hesitant because of the state of how everything was in the world uh, back then, uh, trying to figure out a way how to come up with funds uh, to eventually op open the restaurant, raising capital, just like doing the whole thing. And then I was very scared. Um, it was actually my first solo venture. Um, and you know, and it was what I thought was interesting is that you it's the opposite of like. You know, these big money-backed restaurants, they spend six months doing PR before the restaurant no. opens. Mm -hmm. And your restaurant opened without a sign inside of a building yeah. in a lobby yeah. where, where two banks are. It's like, yeah. you could, like I, I was looking for it, and it took me 10 minutes it's to find it. Yeah, and a lot of people but, complain about it. But, 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 then, but then if you know, you know. Yeah. Right? yeah and 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 you know like the main thing it was just like something that i just needed to do something catchy for for the for the pandemic um and then like that legwork that you just said the six months of pr that you just mentioned about some other restaurants that it's necessary uh, we actually did that during the six months or a year from the pandemic mm. we just created created this natural and organic brand uh, but it was very us, like the way that the logo is designed, the way that we were like the language that we were speaking in social media, uh, the music that we were playing on the on the on the on the videos, uh, the way that we were communicating with everybody was very uh, us. There was a defined personality in that. So when we came when we came to look at the restaurants and when we came when we came to um, just do the thing. Uh, we had a choice to basically come and pretty much open the restaurant the way that the restaurant was left. Uh, this used to be a bakery before. Um, but I chose to wait and try to remodel as much as possible. Uh, so between Natalia and, and two more friends, we just basically remodeled uh, by ourselves without a GC, without a designer, without anything crazy. You basically, you basically just yeah. went to Ikea with about two grand, yeah. right? And, and Home yeah, Depot, yeah. Ikea, Home yeah. Depot, and two grand. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like guys grocery games or some kind of like, uh, <laughs> some kind of like food network we contest. Be, we had to be really, really resourceful because to me, the most important thing was, you know, if this is going to work and we're rolling the dice, we need to make sure that we have enough operating capital to be able to open the restaurant. So if I'm blowing all the money, just like on, back then to me were unnecessary things uh then i'm not going to be able to train people and i'm not going to be able to do all the things that i have to do so between collections of plates that i had at home uh guido uh one of the guys that works in the kitchen he also had a bunch of plates that he had purchased for pop-up dinners uh we had mace mix mix mismatched um mismatched uh 
silverware, mix matched glassware, mix matched everything. Uh, we just owned the restaurant like that. You know, the chairs, we went to Ikea and we just basically bought a bunch of fabric and my wife was 2, 3 a.m. in the morning cutting the fabric, doing the chairs. I was painting the chairs on the, on the, on the garage. Um, just building something like slowly, you know, just letting, letting the thing just happen by itself. Um, and we were able to bring on 90% of the staff that we had at Noon in Chinese that had closed down two years before we opened oh, Zipsum, wow. uh, which and is amazing. Did, and you did something, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. You walk in and you, and you, it's, you're just surrounded by people that you had worked with for years yeah. Yeah. And and it's like that. That's part of like that team mentality. It, it it definitely like translates to the food. And 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 let's talk about the food because I think it's really interesting. Because dim sum, you think traditional Chinese, traditional ingredients, but you did something really different, which is you incorporated a lot of your background, the Colombian, yeah. the the Mexican, into like Latin flavors in this yeah. kind of food. Tell me about yeah. that and like that balance of. You know, because people do say, you know, oh, is this like an appropriation? You know, because that happens. People do appropriate yeah, a thing. Yeah, for sure. And Cultural so like, appropriation is, uh, yeah. So, you know, one of the things that, that we always battle is, um, you know, I mean, the, people come here and they're looking for the Chinese chef, right? Uh, and they're always asking, are there any Chinese or Asian, um, you know, employees here? Is this authentic? Is this, this is not authentic. Um the only thing, the only thing that I can that I can say about that is that on my end, what what we did, thanks to No Name Chinese and thanks to their business partners and thanks to all the connections that we have done throughout the years, I was able to go to China and I was able to work um, in Hawaii with the OG dim sum master dim sum master dim sum chefs, right? I learned a way how to. I learned a way how to roll proper dumplings. I learned a way how to do the proper fillings. I got tested by them day in and day out. I spent months working with them, and you know, I was the only um, non-Chinese or non-Asian guy in the kitchen rolling dumplings with these guys at five a.m. in the morning um, at a Chinese food hall in Hawaii. What, um, what what was the name of that chef in that place? Because I'm, I'm so sure his name his it. name I call him Master Lee, uh, and he was the Royal Garden in uh, in uh, in Hawaii in Honolulu. Um, he is the father of a really good friend of someone that I knew, so we just got connected uh, that way. Um, I knocked on the door, I got recommended, and I was like, "Hey, I I want to come here. I want to learn." And they were like, "What do you mean? You want to learn from us? Like what we do is nothing special." And he was like, yeah, it's actually really special. It's actually really cool. And I just want to learn from you guys. So they accepted me. Uh, the first mornings were pretty rough because, of course, I don't speak Mandarin. Um, their way of appreciating me being there and helping them, because for them, I was helping them. They were not helping me. They were making me breakfast and tea every morning. And we were just rolling dumplings. And I was just learning from them. Uh, on my days off, I was going to Mr. Lee's house. Um... And we were at the yard drinking beers and folding dumplings um, the whole morning. Um, and he gave me the approval of, uh, of, uh, of doing dim sum. Um, he was the one who told me that I was ready. He was the one that approved what I was doing. So when you actually look at it, Carlos, it's like 
they're very excited about the fact that, you know, there's someone that is not from their, from their culture that's very interested in the things that they do. And the fact that I took the time not only to respect it, but to learn about it, um, to know how to do it the right way and kind of like make it my own. Um, I don't believe that that's cultural appropriation. I actually believe that it's just like cultural appreciation. Um, and, um, you know, we have a lot of Asian people, old timers, young people that they come here to the restaurant all the time. Some of them understand it. Some of them don't. Some of them like it. For some of them, it's a little too edgy. But at the end of the day, just getting the blessing from Mr. Lee, his family, he's a dim sum master, all the guys that were around me, all the teachers, all the people that taught me. Uh, like I said, I don't think it's cultural appropriation. I think that it's cultural appreciation. And on our end, what we try to do here at the restaurant is making sure that we're respecting the way how to, how to do those things, right? We're not, we're not uh, doing a fusion of things because we're, do, we're just doing juxtapositions of things, right? Um, I am uh, taking something that's very, very me um, and the flavors that I grew up with, the Colombian flavors, some Mexican flavors, a lot of German flavors, um, a lot of Latin American flavors, Italian flavors, which is my favorite food, and kind of like inspiring myself with the things that I like using the things that I was taught. So without just going into a rumble, um, that's, pretty, that's pretty much it. Sorry about the phone. Yeah, I mean, which is a blessing people people no, no. putting in their orders yeah right I mean, for folks for folks who are hearing this on the audio podcast yeah. you know you're doing this from your restaurant you know which yeah is, yeah, uh, yeah i'm sitting down i'm the only one right now there's some prep books over there so yeah so 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 that's what it is you know and them i like i like i like that idea that i that idea that it's uh that it's appreciating this culture and yeah. what you can what yeah. you can deliver in dim sum and then miami i think is a is a place where something like this it could only exist in Miami, right? Where you have this meeting yeah. of different flavors, of different backgrounds and cultures, yeah. you know, and, and there's Chinese communities throughout throughout the Caribbean, you know, are, yeah. are very common from, you know, from uh, uh, Jamaica, from Venezuela, for Jamaica yeah. Cuba, you know. Yeah, In Peru, Asian, Peru, Asian food is really, really, really intertwined. Yeah, I mean, you got, you got Nikkei, you got Chifas, you have, you have all those things. Of course, I am a Colombian dude um, that has some German blood on him. And I pretty much have been living my, half of my life, a little bit more than half of my life here in Miami. Um, it's it's kind of odd and weird to, oh, yeah, this guy has an Asian restaurant. And yes, of course, when we opened Zipsum, um, that we tried to come up with different names at the end of the day, but we just like stick, stuck with it. Uh, when we opened the restaurant, we we're like, we don't want to be another Chinese restaurant either because we don't want to. We don't want to fall into that thing. We just want to have to have a restaurant that is Asian inspired. And I love Vietnamese food. I love Korean food. I love uh, Lao Asian food. I love Thai. Um, you know, some of the guys in the kitchen love you know ja a lot of Japanese food. I worked at Nobu, so I worked with a lot of Nobu chefs. And like my background is very, 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 very Japanese. Uh, I worked with Chef jo John George's Mongeritan, which you know, even though that he's French. Um, a lot of his food is actually very Thai and very Vietnamese oriented because of the places that he grew up and the places that he worked at. Um, so grabbing kind of like all those things, we decided to just do a restaurant that, that it was very Pablo and Natalia and that it was very just like all the things that we love. And that's where we, where we are. Pablo, let me ask you something, because uh, people think that, you know, a restaurant like this, and it really has taken off. I mean, I think, I think it's, uh, 
it's one of my favorite uh, new restaurants down here. And Thank it's, you. it's Thank no you, surprise that other people have discovered it. Um, people would think, oh, now you're just making money hand over fist and you have reservations every night. And I think you and I had a, a kind of a conversation offline about uh, what, you know, what the reservations have been like. Yeah. And you were like, and you're like, oh, yeah, one night I had 68 cancellations. Yeah. Of, yeah. A so I, there's this. Like that just hit me so hard that like yeah. so people had made reservations on your yeah. website, yeah. and then the day the day of their uh, the day of, of their dinners, either they didn't show up or they or they yeah. canceled. Usually it's Wait, no but show, how right? Many, how many people? Did, how many tables do you have? Like, what does sixty eight cancellations mean for your night? I mean, just just to kind of give you a little bit of perspective, thirty six. We have thirty six seats inside of the restaurant, right? Um, I mean, we have some 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 outdoor dining as well. Um, so that's basically on on. Two, two, that's like two hours of seating right there. Yeah, correct. So, yes. So since that's we opened killer. the restaurant. That's a killer. It is, it is. But at the same time, we have learned how to navigate that. Um, there is a trend, right? And I don't think that it only happens over here. Is it something I think it just happens everywhere. Uh, guests and people, you know, I call this the Amazon effect. I don't know if that's real. I just gave it that name. Uh, you, go, you, go, you go on Amazon and you add a bunch of stuff to your cart. Um, do you think that you want and then later on the week you decide exactly what you want and that is exactly what happens with diners um i, I think everywhere right meaning meaning that meaning that they make reservations yeah so basically just restaurant. people correct like five different like, places and they're like hey, hey guys, i'm gonna go to this one exactly hey guys you know we are we're going out on friday on friday night a group of four people Okay, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Perfect. Let's just make reservations to all the places that we want to pick out, and at the end of the week, we'll just decide where to go, right? Or they don't even—they don't even—they see that you're on media, they see that you're on the newspapers. There's a little bit of hype about the restaurants. They're like, "Hey, I want to go and check this place out. Let me just make a reservation before I forget." And then they realize that they live on Miami Beach, where in Florida Gables is too far of a drive. They they decide to not 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 to show up, right? So since we have opened the restaurant, uh, thankfully um, things have been things have been kind of like it's it's always been a good progress, right? Um, at this very moment, we're very lucky, and we've been very lucky that our restaurant is busy almost every single day. Um, you know, it hurts it hurts me sometimes to turn people away, but what we're doing is we're focusing on making sure that we provide quality to everybody. Uh, and something that I talked to Diana, our amazing general manager, is that I don't want to do a lot of covers. I don't want to sit a lot of people. We have to cap it. So we can, we've can we done it and we almost do it every single weekend. We do between 130, 140 people with takeout included. Um, and, and it just puts the kitchen into a lot of stress, right? Puts the service into a lot of stress. So what we do is we cap it. We don't want to do more than 90 covers and that's and that's where we cap it. So we have a we have a wait list. We have people that make a reservation, which blows my mind, two, three weeks in advance uh, for dumplings, for dim sum, right? Um, so it's it's I mean, And the bummer the bummer is that people will make a reservation, right? They'll they maybe will cancel it or you'll they'll get a kill fee, right? Like in, in writing we yeah, get a so kill I fee. Treated, I treated, but, but if yeah, like so if they I get a kill fee means. I was like, they, yeah. they, but they have a kill fee, which, you know, you kind of cover your, your potential losses. But the truth is, yeah. then that's, that's somebody else who would have wanted to be in there. Right. Yeah, now just know, didn't get that chance, which exactly, is a bummer. Yeah. You know? 
and 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 that's what it is. So, for example, that day you and me were talking about it, that I sent you a screenshot. It's like perfect. We did 124 people that day, uh, which is great. Sales were great. Covers were great. Guest guest experience was was, was great. Uh, but there were 68 people that couldn't or didn't want to make it with you. Um, so we treated it in a case by case scenario. For example, um, you know, if 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 people pretty much they don't pick up the phone, they just don't don't show. We have a cancellation fee. Um, of course, if they call you two hours in advance and they're like, "Yeah, I'm not going to be able to make it. Don't worry about it." Um, sometimes people cancel online. We have the demand, but at the same time, it's always the hustle and the and and the fight, making sure that we're filling in all those gaps. And uh, you know, it's it's kind of funny and not funny at the same time. Sometimes you prepare, you, you're like, okay, perfect, I got 120 reservations. All right, guys, we're gonna do 700 dumplings, and then half of those people don't show up. Then you're like, all right, cool, <laughs> you know. And 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 the thing is that we don't dumplings. have. Yeah, and the, the kitchen's pretty small. Like, we don't have a, a walking cooler. We have a big cooler, and that's where we fit everything. We prep everything fresh every single day. We're here rolling dumplings at 7 a.m. in the morning, and we're just like, you know, just making it happen. You think so, this is so a Miami you, problem, or you think this is just a big city problem? I, I've heard from, from, from a lot of people um, in Miami and, and, and outside Miami that that's just a trend, you know? Um, I still think that even though that people like to support independent, independent restaurants and small businesses and stuff like that, I just think that we're still in a very consumer driven market and that mentality is just like, it's, it, it kills a lot of, a lot of things. Right. So Paolo, the guests, ask, go ahead. Well, I, I was going to ask you, you know, you it's at the restaurant, it's you and your wife, your wife is there a lot, even though she, she also has a side business, uh, baking, your kids, I know have you've told me the kids want to go with you to the restaurant. So I'm, you guys are spending so much time in the restaurant cooking amazing. I, I'm curious what your life at home looks like. Like, okay. do you cook it? Do you cook at home? What do you cook like when you when you have to apologize to your wife with food? Yeah. Uh, when you want to sweep her off her feet, what do you cook for her? What do you cook for the kids when? Yeah. When get so their attention? so you know, uh, I mean, right now, of course, like. When we opened the restaurant, the whole dream was to have Natalia in the front and me in the kitchen. And I thought, okay, we're just going to have another cook. We're going to serve 30 people. It's going to be okay. We don't need a lot of staff. And then boom, you know, we have 23 employees, which is nuts, right? Hmm. Um, so right now what Natalia's doing is she's doing the, the most uh, hardcore job. And she's doing the most important thing in order for us to keep the business that she's taking care of the kids. So she's doing her thing with the kids and she's doing the, the, the thing with her company, right? Um, and, uh, you know, we have the team over here just like doing everything. Uh, a day in my life, I wake up at 7 a.m. in the morning, 8 a.m. in the morning, for the most part, taking the kid to school. If, if you know, Natalia's not taking him to school, then I just come here to a restaurant. I work five, six days a week. Um... Uh, when I'm at home, I don't want to cook. Uh, it's <laughs> always it's, it's always you a fight. Who's cooking? Not even, not even. It's just like you know, we we. I mean, we moved to a house, so now we have a patio. So now I'm able to do barbecue. So my kids, especially Nico, he loves when I barbecue. So I make it a point that at least on Sundays I'm out there and we're grilling. We're having a good time. What are you uh, making? What do you What are you grilling? What's on the What's on your queue? Right by. Right by uh, which is my favorite cut of meat. Um, 
Natalia likes a tenderloin, so I make a medium well tenderloin for her because she doesn't like it bloody. Um, Oof, you know, medium well. Yeah, she come on, man, stuff. Pablo, Pablo, hablale. Es que she's okay, Latin let her let her have her meat cooked. She's Latin American. The Latin Americans like their like their meat. I know, like happy my parents. Wife, happy life, brother. That's it. <laughs> you know, you're not. And, wrong. He, knows, he knows the drill. He knows. And the drill. Uh, you know, we have this little pizza oven. We do some pizzas every now and then. Um, you have but, one of those unis? Is that what you have? Yeah, it's it's, it's called a rock box. I have I have an um, uni, and I, I yeah. Yeah, so my, those things they look fantastic, but you're if they're wood fired, you have to be on top of them. You're feeding it wood. Crazy. You're making the yeah. dough. You're coming back. You're feeding more wood. Yeah. They are, they're fan, the the pizza comes out great, but you have to be on top yeah. of them. Yeah, stuff the stuff is is, is is it's fun. We we we've used it a couple times because I I really don't have time, um, you know. And uh, we try to you know do outdoor activities. We go out. Uh, Nati is not very like she she likes very simple very clean food so it's always this fight with us like where do you want to go to eat where do you want to go to eat no no, no I want to go this I, I want to go to other restaurants she's like oh, man, I just want to stay home I just want to relax so I don't cook at home at all all right I'm, I'm cooking five days a week 80 hours 90 hours between those five days uh, between preparing running service doing all those things the last thing that I want to do is to grab a knife and cook at home well, let me ask you then. Um, then, yeah. if if you know, cooking is off the table. I know that I like cooking at home, uh, yeah. you know, for the kids because it's kind of a relaxation thing. But for you, I know that music was a big part of your life. Yeah. Like, you used to be in a punk yeah. band. Is, is yeah. Tell me about that, and tell me about whether you still appreciate music, whether you still make room for it in your life. I mean, music for me is everything. I think that you know, one of one of the, the, the things that I focus on a lot here in the restaurant is, for example, the playlist. You know, I want to make sure that it's a playlist that is cohesive with what I am, what we do, what the restaurant is. Of course, I'm not going to be blasting punk rock here all the time. There's a couple songs that I sneak in every now and then. Like uh, what? What do you what do you sneak in? What's what band or what there's, music? Are you- there's this there's this playlist that we have that some of my guys <laughs> they, they don't like me because um, we have like three different playlists that I've been curating for a year and a half. Um, and the one that I like the most has like the Clash, the Damned, some of the Ramones, um, you know, a little more of a new punk era too. Um, you know, so I choose the softest songs from those bands and I kind of like put them on the playlist. Uh, and I love it because sometimes I walk out to talk to guests and stuff like that. And there's like people like, Hey, I love this song. This is great. So it's good that when people come in and they see the vibe, they see the employees, it's more relaxed. The playlist makes sense. The food is spicy. Uh, the music is a little loud. It has a strong personality, right? Um, and yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've been a lover of punk rock and heavy metal as far as, far as I can remember. Um, you know, I... Um, that that adds to the that adds to the to the ambiance of a restaurant, right? Like it yeah. adds to the like that's as much part of a mood of a place as the food yeah. and the service. It's like this yeah, extra sure. layer of of like third space, you know, not home, yeah. not work. This third space feeling, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, I used to play in a couple bands. I was a very bad drummer at this band. <laughs> I was so singing or screaming on another band, and of course, if it was not that, it was skateboarding. Um, you know, I, I wish I would have, uh, you know, pursued one or the other. Uh, those are my So all this, all this punk rockishness is happening in Colombia? This happened when you were a kid in Colombia? 
Yeah, I mean, I grew up. I grew up in Colombia. I moved over here when I was uh, eighteen and eighteen years old. I'm thirty four now. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I pretty much like my mom and my dad. They 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 have very good taste in music, uh, especially my mom. Uh, and you know, when I was when I was growing up, I was always listening to cool things that she was listening to. And then eventually, I started like you know, going out and skateboarding. And when you're skateboarding, you're passing around mixtapes. And it's like, hey, check this band, check this band. Well, we had cassettes. And then after that, it was the CDs and, 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 and things of that nature. So I grew up in Colombia going to punk rock shows and around the punk rock community, um, which is very, like, it was a very, like, amazing community because everything's kind of like do it yourself. And community driven and and, 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 and and very cool. So I think that a lot of those things that I learned from 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 those days are still with me very, very much. The way that I approach things and the way that I think about things and the way that I do things by myself and the way that I look sometimes. Um what t-shirt yeah, are you something. wearing? You got a, Are you got, you were, are you rocking a? No, 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 no. I, I, I got this Target t-shirt with a bucket, <laughs> with a bucket over here. And you how know, far we've like, come from eighteen to thirty-four. I've got a nice dude, pocket and, in my and, t-shirt and I, now from dude, Target. It's amazing. And I, and I just like, I buy like twenty at a time, so I just wear the same t-shirt every day for work. Um, you're like, uh, you're like uh, uh, Steve Jobs. You're like the. You got like like Simon Cowell. Yeah, I only like wear black shirts. Yeah. There you go. And uh, yeah, I mean, punk rock is amazing, and that's 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 pretty much what what um what I listen to. I mean, I listen to a lot of music. I love R and B. I love uh, jazz. Um, you know, there, there's, uh, an there's, element, a, there's an element. There's an element to that 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 kind of um that countercultural little bit of that element in kitchens. Yeah. Like that's. Yeah. That's the heart of kitchen. I mean, For I sure. think the big For thing sure. people knew about Bourdain, he always had either a Max Club Deuce shirt on or he had yeah. a Ramones shirt, yeah. you know, with the sleeves yeah. cut off and like that yeah. kind of that that room full of misfits, right? Like that that yeah. uh, pirate shirt. And that's what it is. A, the rice the rice of the misfits. You know, and that's and that's and that's what it is. It's just like it's 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 you know, like it goes it goes very well hand in hand. Of course there's a lot of like destructive personalities and a lot of different dark things behind all those things but of course for the most yeah. for the for, for, for the most part you know the way that you know like yeah it's a very punk rocky vibe it's a very edgy thing and i and i like it it keeps me on my toes when i wake up and when i'm driving to the restaurant i'm listening to that and and and, and yeah you know it's it's part of who i am and it will be, it will ever be uh, part of part of what what i what i've done and what i do you know music is very very important Pablo, eh, we we like to uh, we like to play a little game here where we uh, we we pick uh, three three foods uh, that are special to people and we ask them to play Kiss Mary Kill. Okay. You remember the name game Miss Car- Kiss Mary Kill? No. So you there's something that, that you like you like enough to want to kiss it. Uh, okay. There's something that you that you like enough to want to marry it. Okay. And then you got to kill something one. Something you got to sacrifice. You got to okay. sacrifice one. So okay. Kiss Mary Kill. So I'm going to give okay. you three things. And I know you have a Colombian, Asian, and Mexican background, so I'm mm. going to give you arepas, okay, pork dumpling, okay, and let's say a taco. Let's say a, a, a carnitas or a cochinito okay. pibil taco. So if okay. you have a taco, a pork dumpling, and an arepa, which one do you like enough to kiss? Which one do you marry? Which one do you kill? I'll kill the arepa. Wow, you'll kill the arepa. You're yeah. Colombian. You can't say that. 
I yeah, I mean, I, I'm gonna say this right at the bat. I think the Venezuelan arepas are better than Colombian arepas. Wow, and I'm Colombian. Yeah, that that's big. I mean, it's just like no, there's arepa huevo Colombia. There's like egg inside, which is delicious. But yeah, I will kill the arepa. I will kiss the dumpling and I will marry the taco. Wow, very nice. Wow. So tell tell me about the arepas. For the folks who don't know, talk to me a little about the difference between the Venezuelan one and the Colombian's one that you grew up with. Well, I mean, uh, Colombian arepas are usually um, just the arepa itself, which is made with the masa, with the corn masa. Right. And either they're filled with cheese uh, or they're topped with cheese and, and a, little bit of, a little bit of butter. Um, there's different, of course, variations of the arepas. We have the arepa huevo, which is uh, from the coast. That it's an arepa that has been fried and then has been uh, opened, and then they put beef and uh, egg, raw egg on it. They close it back again and then they fry it again, which is delicious. Um, and then there's like the other corn, um, like sweet corn arepa, almost like a cachapa, but not. Uh, and then Venezuelan arepas, uh, which is pretty much the same dough, but they fill in with delicious things like vena pepiada, which is like with chicken and avocados, and they have palidon, which has like beans and cheese and things of that nature. Yeah, they're it's sandwiches. Like, they're little, yeah, they're it's, little it's, arepa they're sandwiches. sandwiches. Yeah. Which, you exactly. know what, which, which goes into my theory that like everything, everything is a sandwich. Is a sandwich. Like, Correct. Not a, not you know, and, and, uh, and my great-grandmother, she was from Tampico, Mexico. Uh, and even though that she was very, very Mexican, she rarely cooked Mexican food because she was married to a Spanish guy. So she was cooking more like Spanish food more than Mexican food. So I actually started like eating real, 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 like really tasty Mexican food to me, at least when I came over here to to to, to live in the States. Um, but yeah, I mean, tacos, Mexican food is my favorite food with Italian food. So I would definitely marry the tacos for sure. Wow. So married to the taco Kiss yeah. the pork dumpling. I could see that. I would marry a taco. I, yeah, I would, man, I, let I, me I, ask I, you. Let me ask you before you before we have to let you go. So now that you've been nominated, ha, has there been um, any kind of a shift in the restaurant and the reservations or, in anything um, since you've been nominated for a James Beard Award? It, has it affected um, your your business yet, or? Uh, I, I mean, I the thing is that it's so hard to tell because we've been so busy. Um, the past four months um, that, like I said before, we were kind of like capping the reservations. So it's not like we've seen, okay, the James Beard Award nomination came out and then all of a sudden we were serving 30 people and now we're serving 300. Uh, we've been blessed enough to have a little bit of a following and to have like some steady business. Um, so yes, the phone call, the, the phone has been ringing a little bit more, more, more than ever. Um, I also see the clicks on the website and the Google things and all the reports from all the other media outlets. There has been a spike of people kind of like researching what we do. Um, we're still doing the same numbers that we were doing a month before or a month ago. Um, so I think that I just see it in the spirits from everybody. Like, you know, um, I was prepping when I when I got the text message from a buddy, uh, from, from Eric Salt from Itame. Uh, he texted me congrats and I had no idea what he was talking about. I was cutting chives at that moment. And it took me like a minute to actually just go and check my phone. And, you know, everyone was just like talking about it. Um, I cried. Um, I stepped out for a second from the kitchen and I just like uh, cried. I called my wife. Um, and then after that, I called Michael Beltran. And I cried even more. Um and it was just like, to me, it was just like a, a, a really cool thing. It was always a dream, right? And I, I and I thought that that dream was not 
was never going to be possible. Uh, we never intended to open a restaurant that we were like, okay, we want to be the best this and best that. And no, we just wanted to be the best version of what we could do and try to make sure that we're paying the bills and keeping people employed and growing the team and, you know, just putting the kids in school. That that, that, that was the focus, right? And, um, you know, it was, it was very, it was very uh, shocking uh, on a personal level. I still can't believe it. It was a dream. I didn't think that that was going to happen so quick. Um, which is good. Uh, we just got to make sure we maintain it. Um, and when the whole staff came in that day, I told them just because we got this, it doesn't mean that like whatever got us here is not going to get us where we want to be. So don't change the way that you do things. And don't change the way that we operate because we just got James Beard nomination. Let's just keep doing the thing that we do every single day. And uh, with a humble approach and with a hardcore approach and with just like hard work, um, that's the way that we do things. So yes and no, if you feel me. It's just more like a rewarding, like a personal thing. Um, and again, that's something that at the end of the day, as long as there's people coming here and dining and as long as everything else is taken care of, give me one second, guys. Francisco, allá, la cocina. Gracias. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Delivery always, always, be, um, always be working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyhow, so yeah, it's 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 rewarding. It's good. Uh, all the kids are really happy. All the line cooks are super stoked about it. Guido, our chef cuisine, you know, it's also his accomplishment. Um, yeah, everyone that puts like their soul in this restaurant and all the years that we've been working together. Like I have an employee that she's been with me for nine years. Another one that she's been with me for ten years. So it's their accomplishment. And one of the cool things about everything is that it's a restaurant award, it's not a chef award, which I really, really like because it's just like, it's rewarding my dishwasher, it's rewarding my hostess, it's rewarding the bartender, the food runners, the purveyors. Like it's a collective effort. Um, so do you think- And that's the most th- important thing for me. So do you think now you'll actually get a sign? You're gonna get a sign <laughs> no, at the restaurant? No, no sign. No, no. You're just gonna stay, you're just gonna stay, you're just gonna no. stay ensconced like a little armadillo back well, there in the kitchen a little- No, the thing, the thing is that, you know, we are, our location is so tricky, right? If, 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 and, and, and this is something that we spoke with, with our amazing landlord, because the guy is just amazing. Um, you know, kudos to him too. It's, we're inside of the building. So in order for us to put a sign, uh, it needs to be on the front of the building. In the front of the building, we got HBO and we got Citibank and we got all these things. And the city of Fergie is a little bit tricky with that. HBO uh, and Citibank don't have a James yeah. Beard nomination. <laughs> no. I know. Take a break, I HBO. Know. Take I a know. break, HBO. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Pablo, listen. I first of all, congratulations. It's uh, it's it's I'm sure very exciting for you guys. And yeah. and we're excited to have, you know, really a, a special and very unique kind of cuisine and um and i really appreciate yeah. you making the time to uh to no, come man. On and, thank and you talk about the whole journey no thank you thank you also for the write-up that you did on us a month ago um uh, thank you for supporting small restaurants small businesses i think that if you read the list um miami is a force to be reckoned with um you know we have itamai we have michael belcher and chef michael schwartz uh Nevin, um, I'm missing a bunch of people right now, but it's like, even if we don't win or we are not finalists at the end of the day, it's just like, it's rewarding to see how much growth the city has. And the fact that people like, you know, Michael Beltran and Michael Schwartz and even the Eat My guys that haven't been nominated 
consistently for the past few years makes everyone around want to push even more. Um, so with the support of the community and, you know, with all the love and with, with everything that, you know, we receive on a daily basis, the only thing that we can do is just like give it back. And that's what we try to do. Well, congratulations. Um, yeah. Can't wait right to see. On. Can't wait to see how it goes for you. All right, Keep doing it, man. Keep doing All it, right. Pablo. Thanks again, Thank buddy. So All right. Bye bye. Deuces. See that there's a guy who really like, man, just appreciates, you know, kind of like uh, uh following again, following a passion, right? And ending up in this place where you're people recognize this well, thing. Well, I have that you to did. say that after after two years of of you know, editing stories that were sad stories about closings, restaurants closings, and things that, you know, not coming back, and, uh, you know, restaurant owners saying how difficult things were, like, to see somebody who was able to eke out a path during the pandemic, and then once the pandemic kind of started to subside, he was able to actually find success. That's very, very encouraging, and so his story is really encouraging for restaurant owners in Miami, and I'm very very happy for him. Yeah. And it's nice to read about places. I think we're reading more about those places that found something that worked for them and people that took a risk and did yeah. something. Um, I mean, everybody was really up against it, but these people that really were just kind of fighting people are just fighting for their lives, you know, for yep. their livelihoods, you know, yep. and to come out on the other side with something that is, um, rewarding financially, but also kind of, uh, you know, uh, a passion that's pretty special. All right. Well, listen, before we go, I need to tell everybody that we're still doing <laughs> we're doing our uh, name your best, uh, your favorite croquetta place. The link is uh, well, I'll put the link on our Twitter and, and all, all of the places again. We are looking for Miami's favorite croquetta. So everybody needs to go in and vote because we need to know the definitive answer. Miami's best croquetta. Who makes it? Yeah, I'm curious to see it. I, we've, we've seen basically you can just nominate places and uh, and then we're going to put a list together of the top 16 or 32. I don't think we've decided yet. And then let people vote well, it on, those. on how many people, how, how many people vote. So it's just going to be like the octagon. It's going to be like <laughs> Mad Max. Everybody come in and fight come for the best croquetta. Vote for your croquetta. Yeah, I know which some of my favorites are. So no, we'll see if, if any of them show up on, on the list ultimately. Well, Amy, I believe that that is a show. Thanks yeah, for, well, uh, I can't wait to hear here. your your report on uh, Smorgasburg. That sounds like it's going to be pretty cool. It does sound like it's pretty. It's definitely unique. So I'm I'm curious to see uh, how they pulled it all together. Yeah, my and girlfriend Susie's daughter's got a place there. It's called Dos Amigos. So it's like it's cool. Like she's a kid from Kendall who's been working in kitchens and doing pop ups all around you know the neighborhoods, and she's got a, a booth there. That's awesome. I mean, it's a, it's a great opportunity for local chefs to to get their name out there. It's all local people, so that'll be really interesting to check out and see uh, see how people respond to it and, and where people end up after they've made their pop-ups. For there. sure. That'll be interesting. All right, Amy, that's a show. Great all talking right, with go you about now. it. Go go I know you've been intermittent fasting, me too, so we're gonna go we're gonna go finally break our fast. <laughs> <laughs> all right. See you next week. See you. Peace out.